guys. It's been a long time. This is actually the first new person about town I've recorded in, uh, well, a number of months I'm a little embarrassed to say. Today I'm sitting in a pizza place of sorts with Andrew Durso. Oh, it's Scampa. It's, uh, it's ethnic. It's Greek. It's that ethnicity is Greek. It is ethnic, though. Yes, I Okay. So I should know more about these lovely people, considering they saved me many times when I was hard for money and hungry and used to live around these parts, but I believe it's Greek. So you were hard up for money when you lived in, well, tell them where we are. Mm. I asked him in the middle of a bite. Yeah. It's my bad. Right when I was christening this pizza. Um, we're in East Cambridge, uh, nearby Leechmere, which is where I used to live back around when I, um, like, uh, when I went to college here, Emmanuel, before I dropped out. So when was that? How many years ago? I mean, I really should have mentally prepared myself for having <laughs> such basic information at the ready. A um, few years ago, uh, let's say three. Let's say three or two. Yeah, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. All right. All right. So we are in a pizza place. You said you didn't have much money. You were in college. We, we, okay, so a little bit more information. It is, in fact, today, Super Tuesday, and it is cold outside, which is why we are not walking around in the streets. But give them some flavor for the neighborhood. Like, where are we? What's around here? What sort of people live here? And why did you enjoy living here so much that you chose this as your location for Person About Town? I do really enjoy this neighborhood. I just kind of stumbled into it from a Craigslist posting. But I, I guess I like it because it, it, it reminds me of a place like South Boston. A little bit. It's like the Epcot Center version of South Boston. I can never, I can never actually live in South because I'm a totally insulated pussy. But like, uh, it, it works here because it's Cambridge, but you get the vague sense that people live here as opposed to the rest of Cambridge, which can kind of feel like a wax museum at times. If, if, that, if you agree with that, I don't know. So now I technically live in Cambridge. I moved from Somerville just over the line into Cambridge. Where I live, no one is from there, but it looks like just by taking the train here that people are actually from this part of Cambridge. Yeah, it does have the sense of a community. I'm sorry, I'm making you vamp for time every time I uh, eat no, no. a totally fine. pizza. But... I did choose an interesting time to start. Uh, so tell me, where were you before you moved here for college? Uh, do you mean where I grew up or where I went to college before that? Because I did transfer to Emmanuel from another school. Both. Uh, well, I grew up in Sharon, Massachusetts, where I live now with my parents because I'm saving up some money. And uh, after, the, after high school, I moved to SUNY Binghamton, which was a school that was way too good for me. Just uh, atrociously too good for me. It was uh, upstate New York. And I had terrible GPA in high school, terrible GPA throughout college. I guess I maybe have a good, had a good essay or something. And like, I like to imagine that some guy on the admissions board was really pulling for me and I totally fucked him because I ended up transferring and then dropping out. So they don't trust that guy with any decision anymore. That's the narrative I like to imagine. Okay. So why, you say this school was too good for you, but what drew you to that school to begin with? Oh, it was a school that accepted me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I had very lofty ambitions for college. Like, I applied to all the, all the places I guess um, a young man interested in the arts would like to apply to, like NYU and Emerson. They didn't accept me, which is probably, which is probably why I went to Emmanuel later, which is like Emerson for C students, if you're not familiar with it. Yeah, terrible, terrible school. That's fine. It just wasn't for me. Right. Yeah. And uh, what was the question again? I'm so sorry. No worries. It's just kind of like, what was it there? Like, what was there? And also, I guess, like, what drew you to that? What did you think you were going to be doing? Oh, um, SUNY Binghamton, I mean, it, uh, it was the school that accepted me. I, I ended up really disliking it. I, I really dislike my time in college in general, but... Why? Because uh, I, I, I've just, uh, college is by nature a very social environment. I've just always been a real homebody, and I could just never leap into that scene headfirst like I always wanted to, or always envisioned I would when I was in high school. Like, I, I, I guess I had this conception that, you know, once you cross that summer from high school into college, like you'll find you'll find your niche and you'll start and you'll and you'll start to flourish and you'll and you'll be able to reinvent yourself. But I don't know, it just never happened for me. Did you see the movie PCU? Oh yeah, I have seen PCU. I love. <laughs> was PCU. it was it like that where you thought like you'd go to college and you'd find your like own little? Group yeah, I thought George Clinton would be playing at a bunch of parties. Yeah. Yeah, and I was gonna have like a fun nickname like the Grizzler, but. Uh, <laughs> Like, everyone was going to want to play Street Fighter 4 with me instead right. of going out on Saturdays. But, uh, 
Yeah, no, it was not the case. I did college radio for a brief time, which I also hated. <laughs> Why did you hate college radio? You seem made for it. Uh, see, if you told me that in high school, it would have been a compliment. But man, I got there, and in college, it was just a bunch of real nerd alerts. Because um, <laughs> I, I was, I don't know, I was uh, in high school, I was a real smug dick about music. Like, I was a big music fan. And um, the when I got there, I expected like find a lot of like-minded people at uh, WFMU, the mm -hmm. Binghamton station. Not the case. It was like, they weren't really a music fan, which, which is fine. Like... Uh, but it's just it's not the kind of people as they were just more they're more passionate about technology and like the art of broadcasting and stuff like that. They just didn't want to sit around all day and talk about on a hardcore from the eighties or something like that. So for the people coming off is so unlikable in this no. <laughs> So for people who don't know Andrew Durso, Andrew Durso is our guest. Hey, I don't know if I mentioned that. But, <laughs> but Andrew Durso looks like a record store employee in nineteen ninety seven. So for him to say that he wasn't interested in the college radio scene at his school is visually incongruous. Picture like John Cusack in High Fidelity, but he's in the body of like John Cusack and Better Off Dead, and he's just like <laughs> such a hot piece, and you want, you want to get at him. So does that, um, does that affect your life, people trying to um, get at you? <laughs> oh, constantly. Um, yeah, no... This is why I like East Cambridge so much. It's a place, like, I, I would go here because I don't get noticed. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, kind of my safe haven. Well, like, the rest of Boston, whenever I step on the red line, people are just like, oh, my God, weren't you in that Airheads commercial? And I'm like, yes, I was the man that launched a 1,000 candies. I know. Wait, were you, you were in an Airheads commercial? I was in an Airheads commercial. All right, so tell me about this Airheads commercial. I've heard, I've heard the edges of it, but I haven't heard the thing. Uh, do you know Rye Dune? Yes. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was a guy who was, uh, in, who did comedy, but he lives in L.A. now, I think. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I know. <laughs> um, he lives in L.A. now, but uh, he was very popular on Vine, the uh, currently dying social media network. <laughs> That's not his last, I think it's already dead. It's not, I don't even think it's in the process of dying, but he was very popular on it. And sometimes he would get um, corporations to sponsor Vines for him, like, Hey, do your character and hold up a pack of Starbursts, and we'll give you some money. So, and he's he uh, he had a role for me in one of these, and uh, they liked the Airheads when I was in so much. They decided to air it on TV, and uh, so yeah, and also it was technical technically a viral video, so they didn't have to pay us in a reoccurring manner. So I only made uh, two hundred dollars from it, which I think I immediately blew on booze. <laughs> Yeah, $200 is not a lot for a TV spot at all. No, not a lot. Like, well, I, from what I understand, some actors make their living off of, like, yeah. scoring a big commercial gig or something like that. And, man, man, would I like to be one of those actors. <laughs> but ah, my, my, my brush with uh, commercial fame is very, very brief. It's not over. So just for some background information. So we don't air the commercial anymore. Well, I, mean, I know that because I don't get texts from my aunt anymore. Like, it, hey, you're on The Walking Dead. What I mean is... That's not the only way with which you can achieve fame. I'm chewing. You got a vamp for time. Okay. Yeah, talk about our Best Picture nominees. Oh, okay. Um, why would I be Billy Crystal? Well, like one of the presenters, like, but why, why did you choose a short male Jew for me to be? Well, no, no, just listen, theater of the mind. One of the presenters, Kate Blanchett is backstage, and she was supposed to present for best sound editing, but she's totally fucking high on bikes, and she's passed out on a toilet. It's your job to come up on the fly with, like, a hot new Broadway song about Mad Max Fury Road, so get to it, Mobley. Um, so what I will say while you continue to chew, even though you were able to chew and say all of that, uh, so you yeah, say that I you... Like to really mess with the podcast medium. Uh, sometimes I think, what, if Andy Kaufman were alive today, what would he do with the podcast? So you're sure that Andy Kaufman is dead? Uh, yeah, I'm sure that Andy Kaufman is dead. That or Bob Zamuda, whoever. If, if they were, if they did podcast today, what would that be like? I imagine it would be, go some, a little something like this. Hey, Andy, stop chewing on microphones. Stick on topic, Andy. We're supposed to be talking about Adnan, like stuff like that, you know. Serial. Oh, we did, there was a serial joke on my before. level, Mobley. I'm just, just throwing a few jabs at you to keep you sharp. You just dripped on your phone. Yeah. Oh, great. Now I'm going to lick it off. Oh, he did. He licked it off. There's, <laughs> we've had napkins this whole time. Yeah, I'm licking the napkin now. <laughs> so you mentioned being uh, not super social in college. How does that affect you now that you have to be out most nights doing stand-up? Oh, I've, uh, stand-up is, like, perfect for me because it's also a lot of um, bitter, unpleasant people with very... Um, hard personalities to get along with, so I don't know, I, I guess I've just found my niche. When did you start comedy? Uh, I did a bit of it in Binghamton. I guess you could officially say I started doing it in high school. 
Uh, I didn't do it in any formal sense, though. I just had this, uh, I had this, I don't know if every school has this euphony club. Did you have a euphony club? I don't even know what that means. I think it was like basically like a poetry club or something. They would hold, they would hold these open mics like uh, about once every three months or like end of the semester or something like that. And uh, I went to one of these open mics and I was, uh, and I was like just a bunch of like kids playing acoustic Rage Against the Machine covers basically. And I was jealous of the attention they were getting. So I wanted to do my own thing. And so I did that. It was, uh, I was really bad. It was, um, it's like the first idea somebody thinks of when they want to do comedy. Like, uh, I, remember, like I remember my bit was, um, since it was a poetry open mic, I thought, like, oh, I want to read something by a great poet. So I read Limp Biscuit lyrics. It was, re- it was a dumb bit that a high school student would think of. And then, but did it go over well? It went over really well, yeah. And I remember, the, like, the one after that. I, uh, I wrote this short, this comedic short story that I read aloud. This is, I'm super embarrassed by. It was okay. like, uh, what would... Ugh, God. There's a terrible beeping in the background, in case you guys are hearing that. It's the restaurant, not, like, Andrew's voice or something. Yeah. It's over. It's uh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad it bought me time because I'm embarrassing this new microphone. Just, just it was a short story about like what would Harry Potter be like if it took place in an inner city neighborhood. It was oh so so bad. It, it went over really well though. I remember my big uh, my big uh, my big clincher, my big cl- like closer joke for this story that that uh, for this vaguely racist Harry Potter narrative was um, there's a black guy in our school named Ron, and I said his name instead of Ron Weasley, and oh man. Oh, you, 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 people were dancing the aisles. You would think it was the Chicago fire happening in the background. It was amazing. What was the venue that you performed this in? At the open mic? Yeah, it was at the, at the library at school. And I, I got on my, after that, I, started, I stopped doing, like, prepared bits, quote-unquote, and I just uh, started writing, like, stand-up jokes, and I started doing them, like, every semester. And I enjoyed it, and I, uh, to the point where I searched, oh, where can I do comedy in Boston? And I saw the comedy studio. My first gig in Boston was actually at the comedy studio, which people. How did you? How did that happen? Uh, I just I just went consistently, and I uh, asked Rick really nicely, and I got the pack and everything. I told him I performed before, and I got on on Wednesday, and I invited a ton of people. Again, another thing, another amateur mistake. I invited a ton of people, and I uh, did my first set there, and I was really happy with how it went. Uh, even though I brought like a third of the audience. Like, if you've ever been in the comedy studio, it's like the seating is arranged in three long tables with a bunch of seats like around the edge of the club. And uh, everybody I brought filled up one long table. And after my, right after my set, they all simultaneously got up and left. And it was sobering to watch. Yeah, I, I did that. And I did a few more gigs there. And then I moved to, not moved, I went to college at Binghamton, which there's no comedy scene to speak of. There is a comedy scene, but it was very small. Right. That's another occasion where like, we're doing a show every three months, and all the jokes are very insider, campus-based jokes. Right. Like, hey, how about Quad 4E? Am I right, guys? Right. Yeah. I also I did some, I did some, uh, some comedy bits on the radio, too. Okay. So when did you start? Like, so you moved to Emmanuel, yeah. and you continued doing comedy. Did you maintain your relationship with the studio then, or how did that work? I did maintain my relationship with the studio. Uh, it's it was something so informal. I don't know if you call it a relationship, but every time I came back for like Christmas break or something, I'd ask Rick for a spot. They'd be usually nice enough to throw me up on a Wednesday or Sunday or something like that. And um, eventually, I I like doing it so much. I wanted to move to Boston and pursue it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I transferred to Emmanuel. Excuse the chewing. So, what was your kind of progression through comedy since then? That was like three years ago. Uh. Was that three years ago? I think it's been about five years. It's been about five years. Since I, 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 I consider myself as having done stand-up for five years because it's only for five years I've really done it with any sense of consistency. But yeah, I would, I would go to Grandma's a lot. Grandma's nearby the Fenway, which is this old club that used to be around that took place in the um, Tiki Bar of a Howard Johnson's. I miss it very, very dearly. I might just belch on the microphone. That was nice. Um, I miss it very, very dearly. It's gone now, but I kind of considered that my home base when I for during the first two years. So you seem pretty tight with like that whole grandma's crew. I came a little bit after that, so it seems like super clicky to me. Who would you say like the first group of people you really hung out with were in comedy? Oh God. Uh, yeah, I guess basically the whole grandma's crew, like Pat Barrett, John Paul Rivera, Will Noonan, Peter Martin, Benny Bosch. Uh, Tom Dunlap, you know, people like that. Uh, I, I, uh, 
Sean Wilkinson, I consider myself cool with that group. I remember like, I, one of the biggest like feelings of fulfillment I've ever had as a comic, which is like it's so small scale and low stakes. But I remember like making those people laugh at grandmas. Like I like I was I almost like I was levitating out of the room that night. Like how good I felt. How long had you been doing it before that happened? Not super long. I uh, I, I showed up enough times that uh, I I get I have this kind of kind of look about me where I'm like I'm I look very young and I'm unassuming. So people like take me on as a mascot really early. So uh, that's good to know about yourself. Yeah, I hate it. But uh, <laughs> but I I gone there a few times. And uh, I, I did some sets, like nothing really amazing, but I guess I endeared myself to, to enough people that were in the room that particular night that I was able to have a good set there. And I, yeah, yeah, I remember. That was probably my favorite memory in comedy I had up until that moment. So now that you've been in it for five years, you're not like a newbie, but you're not like part of the old guard. What would you say are the differences between that crew and maybe some of the newer crews that you see coming up? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um... I always felt a bit like an outsider in that crew, just in the sense of that, like, I hate the division between, like, alt comedy and, like, traditional comedy, but, like, this is a fact of matter. I, I grew up on comics, which would generally be considered, like, alt, and that, that's not me judging any kind of comedy. I love you know, traditional, like, quote-unquote club comics, like David, like, Brian Regan is maybe my favorite stand-up. Yeah. But um, I guess I, I thought, I guess um, back then it was... The comic, like the comics coming up, were like more dudes, and now they're just kind of nerds, so to speak. Like no judgment upon either group of people. But yeah, I, I consider myself a bit of an outlier in that. Like I was, I was younger than most people, and I was like, I was like a bit of a weirdo, and my jokes were a little more whimsical. Like I was very, I was a lot more self-consciously doing like anti-comedy, quote unquote, back then, which I shudder to think about. But like I'd have these jokes, just like I'm gonna do like. Like bad impressions, like stuff like that, which I'm I'm ashamed of now. But like that was kind of more what I was going for. It's an hour. I think I'm pretty straight up. Like I'm pretty straightforward, just joke teller as far as my style on stage, I guess. And the way that you've transitioned from more all bits empty comedy to what you do now, are there any things that you're trying to explore on stage that'll progress I mean, your for style a while, even further? Like my big kick, like two years ago, was like I gotta start telling like really personal stories. I gotta like get down and dirty and tell stuff on stage that I'd be afraid to even tell a close friend and like I did that for a while and now it's really just just bits it's like whatever occurs to me that's funny it's, yeah. it's not I'm not going for anything in particular I can nail down mm -hmm. a, lot, a, lot, a lot of tweets adapted jokes I, I, I lean hard on that crutch I, I will adapt a tweet to a joke like like none of your business this rap is mostly onions and I am mostly sitting here with my nasal passages just spread out like you wouldn't believe because I'm just eating raw onion right now. Yeah, I am so sorry that I'm breathing at you because this is going to be fucking offensive. Oh, I don't even have like a semblance of a sense of smell because considering how much I smoke, so... Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then I don't feel that bad. Yeah. I mean, it's bothering me how much you're crying right now. <laughs> you're just tears streaming down your face because of all these onions. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I better be feeling good tomorrow. This better... I'm going to smell so bad. I have like a sort of date. I'm not sure if it's a date or not, but I'm gonna be like sweating this. How'd, well, you, how'd you meet the dude? Uh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh, okay, fine. I don't know. Just go on a date to like a really smelly place or something. Like, hey, oh, well. la last minute, let's just go to this petting zoo. Yeah. I hate animals, so I wouldn't. I don't hate animals. I just don't have an interest in like being around them like willy nilly. I'm glad you. I'm really glad you say that because I um. Some, I'm really like bothered by the stigma sometimes. Be super into animals. Like whenever there's a dog around, I feel like there's a lot of societal pressure to freak out over it. I'm like, I like dogs. They're cool, but I don't have that strand of DNA which makes me lose my shit whenever I see a dog walking around. Yeah, right? they're everywhere. Yeah, thank you. And you like dogs that much? Just buy a fucking dog. Yeah, it's. Yeah, no, like, uh, there's this, like, old Harris Whittles tweet that I think is so funny. Like, it's one of my favorite things, like, I've ever seen in that dumb website where he just, he just wrote, um, yo, guys who react too much to dogs when girls are around, consider this your burn notice. <laughs> That's a good tweet. That's a great tweet. Really stinks that he's dead. Yeah, no, he's, he's dead as shit. Yeah. It's heroin, man, it's a real issue. Mm-hmm. You're from Sharon. Is heroin happening there? I mean, it's happening everywhere, but it's, like, really, really happening. We're, we're not Cape Cod. All is, right. is Cape Cod where heroin's really happening? Oh, yeah. Heroin's, uh, heroin's huge in Cape Cod right Why? now. Why? I don't know, because there's nothing to do there, mm. I guess. And, like, uh, any time that's not summer and there are tourists there, it's just, it's just kind of a nuclear wasteland. Mm. 
I can't, I, I mean, I can't give you the demographic rundown, but uh, yeah, there's an HBO documentary that was just about it. Yeah, heroin's, it's, it's having a real golden moment right now on the Cape. Yeah. It's like, like heroin's like Reagan 84 right now, baby. It's just at the top of its fucking game. Fucking Reagan. Um, so, give me a memory that happened here. It doesn't have to be the moment that solidified this as like a nostalgic, positive place in your life. Just the thing that when you come here, this washes over you. Mm. I was really hit by this wave of nostalgia coming in through the train because um, when you come in here through the green line, it kind of rises up on a bridge and you get this really nice view of the city. And I, I, I like this neighborhood, even though I didn't really have a happy time when I was living here, just because I was constantly poor and I slept in a twin bed like a dipshit. And um, like, uh, I, I guess my memories of here are um, I would get up at 11 because I was unemployed. I'd walk down the street, I'd buy a bottle of uh, Jim Beam because it was cheap. I was, I was also really trying to be like a whiskey drinker back then. Purely is a horrible affect. I fucking hate whiskey. Back when, like back when I drank and I was enjoying myself, I would just drink like crappy beer. Like that was the drink I truly enjoyed. But for, for a spell, I was trying to be like a whiskey guy. So I'd buy like cheap whiskey. And I would just watch Netflix and pass out on the couch back in my apartment. Favorite shows? I was watching, uh, I was watching a lot of Buffy back then, a lot of Mad Men. I'm not a big TV guy. Really? Yeah, no, I know that betrays everything about me, but it's yeah, just... like, TV's having a golden moment in the same way heroin is. Yeah, t- TV, Reagan, heroin. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, you'd think with how much I love Reagan, I love heroin. I would like TV just, like, a little bit, but... Yeah, no, it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot to commit to. I like a, I like a movie. It's 90, 90 minutes if you're lucky. It's 90 minutes, you, it's condensed. You can watch it, immediately have an opinion on it. Like, just, just kind of close the book on it. TV's too open-ended for me. I, 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 I do watch, like, my fair share of television, but I'm not, like, as nuts about it as you think I am, considering I am nuts about every other medium you could, you could possibly digest something through. Digest isn't the word I was looking for. Uh, whatever, let's move on. So that's actually half the reason why I asked you to be on this podcast, because you do have very firm and concrete opinions about media. So let's go into some lists here. Man, I seems so likable right now to somebody who's never met me. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really glad that people can just, like, relax and be themselves around me. Like, I really like being the guy that, like, when I go through your CD collection, your back doesn't tense up. <laughs> my back totally tenses up. I think you were at my house. You were looking through my movie collection, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wrong laugh to give right there. Uh, your, your maniacal villain laugh? Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's my honest laugh no. right there. No, that makes it sense. Really, it was really my honest laugh. I would actually um, have breathed it in through my teeth after it, which makes me a terrible guest on podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, like, like that. Oh, yeah, I'm impossible to listen to. People who like who there are some people who seem to have this very strong aversion to mouth sounds, and that would kill them. Just another thing I would do in my Andy Kaufman podcast. It's just the 60 minutes of tasting my own mouth. Ugh. Yeah, like I just did a line of cocaine or something. It doesn't. I've never done cocaine. Oh, it's great. Everyone says that. I mean, I, I haven't done it a ton, but uh, I did it a few times in Binghamton and. Uh, Man, I've, I've never been more charismatic or likable or fucking on than I was, like, during those moments. And, like, I know everybody says that, but, like, trust me, in my heart and soul, I know. Like, I, was, I knew when to say a thing. Like, I was weaving in and out of the conversation, dropping my bits. Yeah. You know, just explosive laughter. I'm shooting live grenades out of my goddamn mouth. That, that being said, the come down is terrible. It's probably not as bad as the ecstasy, ecstasy come down. I've never done ecstasy, but you, you do lie on your bed and you want to kill yourself. And I don't know the scientific reasoning for it, for it but it's as if your body's like, oh, well, you had so much joy earlier, we got to balance it out now by just making you fucking completely miserable. How long do you get to experience the fun versus how long do you get, have to experience the down? Um, hmm. Oh, God, I, could, I wish I could remember time span more uh probably 60 minutes of fun compared to the rest of the night of miserableness unless you keep doing it uh yeah i probably won't do that ever 60 minutes is great though it's great can you go through the down that part 60 minutes the morally safer will ever give you i'll tell you that much mm-hmm. he's a he's a clerk for 60 clerk he's an anchor for 60 minutes I jesus goodness yeah i don't watch 60 minutes either because i don't like tv that's just a thing you gotta know Get on my level, Kenise. <laughs> I've, I've lived my whole life without knowing that. Just throwing a few jabs to keep you sharp, Mobley. <laughs> so, 
Yes, there are a lot of things I don't know, which is why I'm always concerned if he sees my record collection or like a list of things that I like, that I'm going to get a pretty strong critique from the Durse. I think I've... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> I'm really trying to like be self-conscious of that image and shed it and be like the guy you can have fun around and like I really I honestly don't care much about music anymore because like Why? I don't know it's not that I don't care so much as I just I have the stuff that I like and I listen to and I'm setting my ways a little bit and keeping up with music right now it's, it's so socialized and it takes place on such a small scale I'm like band camp profiles and stuff like that that's it's it's hard to keep up with it's a full-time job I like uh like I was talking, like uh, I worked with this. Uh, I used to work with this girl. It was like a little. It was like a little younger than me, and it's the first time I ever gotten like weird old guy vibes in my life. Because I remember like we were sorting through CDs at where I work, and I saw a CD by name by a guy named Kurt Vile. Like if you don't know Kurt Vile, I, I think he's really good. And um, and she and I made this comment. She's like, "Ah, oh, Kurt Vile, he's all right." And she was just like, "Eh, he's fine." And in my head, I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" I knew I thought it was just enough to know about Kurt Vile. <laughs> Yeah, it's fuck. It's hard. You gotta have the right opinions about things to be able to like to endear yourself to the gatekeepers to like find out about more stuff, and like it's it's too exhausting. Like, I'm I, I really like the stuff that I already listen to, but I'm pretty much I've pretty much closed the book on discovering new music, unless something wanders into my headspace. What's the best thing that's wandered into your headspace in the last year? Uh, do you want it to be like new or old? Doesn't matter. Oh, thing that you hadn't heard before, and you were like. This thing, I'm about it. Oh, I've been listening to a lot of old heavy metal recently. Hmm. I really like it because uh, it's like the one kind of the one form of music that hasn't been like hugely canonized yet by like hip kids or like the intelligentsia, so to speak. Because like punk music is that's considered like rock critics music, and that was what I was really into in high school hmm. and stuff. I'm still into to this day, but like. Uh, like like old like heavy metal bands stuff like Judas Priest or like you know I don't like Slayer and stuff like like that those got constantly like shit on by critics and yeah. like music publications and now they're ha like they're having a bit of a reevaluation right now but it's it's like it's enough that I can kind of consider it my own fun thing mm -hmm. like whereas mm, uh, like one of the one of the things that kind of bums me out about music fandom is is there's kind of a consensus of opinion that you have to go along with. There's, and there's not a lot of room for your own personal taste within that. Like, I'm starting to get what was so goddamn insufferable about me during high school and college. <laughs> I feel that way about movies a lot when everyone's like, this is the thing. And I'm like, it was okay. Like, I just saw Deadpool, and it was okay. Oh, I had, like, negative interest in that movie. Really? You didn't see it? I'm not going to see it. I, uh, I, I just, I'm kind of bored of superhero stuff. Mm. Yeah. So it's like it's the same thing with dogs. There's a lot of stigma to be like into comic books right now. Yeah. And I'm like, again, this betrays everything about me. But I'm not like I'm not a huge like nerd guy. Like I don't like. I, you come off as nerdy. So when I you know. say like nerd alert or like <laughs> like make fun of people for being dorky. That's well, like everything that like yeah. That's part of the joke though. Yeah, it's just like it's very it's visually strange. That's, and plus, it's just uh, it's just it's funny because. People are into that stuff are really into that stuff, so like their eyes will light up when they yeah. start telling you, talking to you about Deadpool. And it's just, um, it's just, it's just such a torpedo to their momentum to be like, we got class one nerd alert right here. Just I think you you torpedoed it. my interest in Hamilton. You were just like shitting on it, and I was like, that seems really cool. Yeah, it's just because. And then you're like, no, fuck it. Yeah, because it's, it's fun to upset you because it's really easy to do that. It was just like take joy, and then like it's like a balloon, and then you were just like. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny. <laughs> yeah, because people become such losers when they get enthusiastic about stuff. Oh my God. They really open themselves what is up. What your weird, you? jaded 1997 bullshit? Yeah. Hey, whatever, man. I'm Gen X, baby. I'm MTV generation. You are a millennials through and through. Live with that. Deal with that in I your am, heart. I'm an MTV generation baby. Oh and my gosh. Who are the who are the hosts of MTV News in 1995? It's probably Kurt Loader or someone like uh, oh someone else. Oh my god. You don't get to do that. You don't get to co-op the older generation shit. You have your own shit. <laughs> I'm barely, like, I'm on the cusp. You are younger than me. Oh, Carson Daly, you hosted TRL, right? Oh, my gosh. TRL was just one thing. What about Sway? What about Kurt Loder? What uh, about that one with the crazy hair? There was a cold contest around. Damien Fahey, he's kind of like a diet uh, Carson Daly. Is that the guy, Damien Fahey? Who are you talking about? I think about? he hosted TRL after Carson Daly. I don't, what 
not talking about TRL. We're talking about MTV. So you're getting so riled up just because I thought <laughs> said Hamilton was stupid. I don't have a here's here's the big secret, Canice. I don't have a goddamn opinion on Hamilton. Why not? Because <laughs> it's just it's something that hasn't again crossed into my headspace. You're so enthusiastic about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use your momentum about you like Aikido, like the, that's the martial arts style that Steven Seagal practices about using your enemy's momentum Aikido? against them. Aikido. Okay, you're yeah. saying yeah, they're particular way. Yeah, no, I'm saying I'm, I don't know, I'm saying like a white guy who doesn't know anything about martial arts and knows them exclusively through Steven Seagal and Jean Claude Van Damme movies. But not like Bruce Lee or. He's cool. <laughs> What's your. I, I thought you were gonna be like. Fuck him. And I'm like, no! <laughs> I like... I like... Uh, I feel like I'm, this is a podcast of me like, responding to a scandal or something or some attempt to rehab my image. I don't, like, uh, like, I don't know when like, Gallagher goes on WTF. Like, oh, wow, Gallagher's smart. Like one of those interviews. <laughs> is Gallagher smart? I didn't listen. No, nah, that was actually a super controversial interview and he's a lunatic. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, image rehab podcast appearances. <laughs> Who do you think has had the best one? Kov Smirnoff, he has a PhD, that's amazing. Like, uh, Does he? No. Just what you, <laughs> why can't you uh, use real example? I don't know, because I can't. Well, it's like that's the thing that Carlos Mencia tried to do, and they got outed oh. for joke stealing on that interview. Got it. Yeah, except instead of uh, joke stealing, I'm just getting outed as a smug dick. <laughs> if this is showing you something about yourself, great. But I don't think everyone's like, oh, Durso. Super smug dick. I thought this was going to be like a fun Barbara Walters interview. I didn't think this oh, was going to be... you mean like softballs, just lobbing softballs? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, like, this uh, is hard-hitting, not journalism. Like, what's your, what's your pick for best actor this year? I thought it would be something fun. I didn't know it would be a probing <laughs> Terry Gross. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to come up with... I was just compared to Terry Gross, guys. I want that noted. I want everyone to remember it. Yeah, you thought Canise was freaking out five seconds ago about this Hamilton bullshit. You should see how much you... <laughs> it's so goddamn easy to upset you. I know stuff about it. I know, I know stuff about it. Um, Wait, okay, what is... I feel like there's, like, an issue with earnestness among comedians. Like, anything that is earnest, they automatically are like, uh, fuck that. But do you dislike the earnestness of an enterprise like that? These are like the same questions you'd ask like fucking Pol Pot if you ever interviewed him. <laughs> Is he alive? I thought he was dead. Is he dead? I should really know that. I think he's dead. I, think he's dead. I, don't really I should know. really fucking know that. <laughs> we should know that. I'm putting that on you, Slice Dog. Slice Dog? <laughs> yeah. Where are we getting Slice Dog from? Oh, Dermot of Dearman. <laughs> okay. Is sincerity on brand for me? I don't necessarily know about that, Kenise. It's not. I, I have my moments. I, I can be. I can be a real goddamn soft. Yeah, I'll, I'll cry to song like like uh, like you wouldn't believe. Like what song? Oh, I have a ton of songs I cry to. List. Uh, I used to have a playlist for back when I drank. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is, is it on Spotify? Can you pull it up? It's not Spotify right now. I, prob- I can probably remember it. Oh, I- this is another reason because I have a lot of Spotify playlists and Durso has made fun of pretty much all of them. Yeah, Kenise's, uh playlists are. Like categorize, like she like serial killer esque. I would call her categorization of the playlist. Like they're all based like certain moods. Like, <laughs> what? How else would you categorize them? Oh no, it's not like it's not just moods like happy. It's just like happy on a rainy Tuesday. It's like so niche. Like, <laughs> I was I was it was a rainy Tuesday. I was happy, and I was like, what are the songs that would fit into this? Like one that like there's like there's two playlists that had they had like opposite themes where it's like, well, this is my playlist getting it for when I'm out like you know doing business, and this is like my playlist getting out for when I'm inside doing business. <laughs> <laughs> there was okay. I think you're referring to one is called Rainy Slick City Streets. And then the other is called Rainy Day. They're very different musical styles. I need for both of them to be separated out based on what it is that I'm doing. It's, it's important. You can't possibly listen back to this recording and think that I'm not valid for calling you a psychopath. <laughs> I'm not, I just know what it is that I want. There's a difference between that. Like, I'm not saying psychopaths don't also know what they want. Mine is just different. I haven't killed anybody. So I'm saying is that my playlists are very, um, not killed anybody yet, uh, my playlists are, they're very succinct, they're to the point, it's, hey, four songs put on when you need to cry when you're drunk. Only four? Yeah, only four. I had four songs that did it. I did, um, I list them off. Uh, uh, Left of the Dial by The Replacements. Okay, don't know 
um, a track off of uh, Bjork's first album called uh, "Like Someone in Love," I think was the song was called. Um, uh, uh, this is probably this is uh, this one everybody knows. Uh, fucking uh, the Simon and Garfunkel "Bridge Over Troubled Water" song. Really? Oh yeah, no, that song like makes me really emotional. I don't know what it is. I guess because like. Uh, uh, I grew up super lonely. It's a song about having friends. See, I get vulnerable and sentimental sometimes. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, that was one of them. And there's another one that... Oh, yeah, uh, Tunic Song for Karen by Sonic Youth. Yeah, I don't know most of the songs. song about uh, Karen Carpenter uh, battling with anorexia and her passing away from it. It's wicked fucking sad. Okay. Yeah. It's not like Anna's song by Silverchair? Uh, uh, Silverchair is like, uh, like the kind of... Pearl Jam wannabe band, right? Yeah, maybe. They're from the mid to late 90s. Uh, what is... Uh, they did a song they're... called Anna's Song. It's about Anna Anorexia. Oh, uh, that's fun. Is uh, is, uh, is like Adam's Song by Blink-182? I don't know anything about that. You don't know that song? How's it going? It's like... Indeed. It's like, you know how like every Blink-182 album is like... They, every Blink-182 album, they had like two songs where they got serious. Like they turned around a chair and like started to rap with you. Like, listen, we've been having a lot of fun with fart jokes, but seriously... Teenage depression is a serious issue. I have never listened to anything that wasn't a single by them. Oh well, you don't need to start. I think it was. I think it was a sim single though. I think that was a single. Um, was it wait, Limp Biscuit or Blink One Eighty Two? Which one were we talking about? We're talking about Blink One Eighty Two. Um. Oh, am I? I think I'm confusing that. that I think that could be a Sum Forty One song. Um, yeah. What was? What's the Sum Forty One song? The only Sum 41 song I know is like fucking. Yeah, that's all I know. 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 that's all I know. Yeah, that's all What's my age again? That's Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, that's uh, that's Blink One Eighty Two okay. song. Yeah, I uh, I never had a pop punk phase as a kid, which is also surprised. That was my first slice pizza. It's, it's fucking gigantic though. Didn't you order two? I think it was pronounced as two, just because like, they just undone. didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like fucking raw dog. Yeah. But I thought he said like bringing your. I don't know. If this fills you up, I'm not concerned. I'm loving it. It's great. Oh man, I have only eaten half of my wrap. Uh, Whew, it is a challenge. It's not a small wrap, but also the onions. Yeah. You can get, you can smell it now? Uh, oh, I just, when you said that, I actually got a little, I can only like smell like very sharp, sudden, stinging yeah. smells. Yeah. Other than that, like, uh, you could, you could like place me in a septic tank and it wouldn't bother me. I smoke a lot. The respiratory system is dog shit. It's terrible. So you're planning on half? Oh, man. We can only hope. Kidding. I know you, <laughs> you are. You are so easy to upset. <laughs> but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna go Terry Grossit or whatever. Um, I am wondering what your plans are. Like, you live in Boston. You seem to like Boston. Uh, I but like, uh, I like a lot of people I met here. I like what I'm doing comedy wise. I'm recording an album this year, which is oh nice. Are you doing one of the ones? One of the ones at the gas. Nice. Yeah, which I'm shitting myself even thinking about. And I, I have the, it's gonna be in October, and I have this like specter hanging over me for the last eight months. Like I got, I did the math. I got generate ten new minutes for like October that I lo- I could I could like pull out an hour, but it wouldn't be all stuff I like. And I need like ten more new minutes before. October, and I want them to be like really good and tight, which I like that's not hard on paper, but I want them yeah. to be like good 10 yeah. minutes, you know. So, when you record that album, where do, do they a distribute it somewhere, and then b will you be able to use a lot of that material again? How do you feel like that's gonna work? I imagine I'll be able to use the material again because I'm not, a, I'm, I don't know, like I'm not a national draw. Nobody's gonna, I mean, like the thing I want, the reason. Rob asked me to do it, and, like, the reason I decided to do it is, like, I was kind of iffy on the idea for a while, but then I realized on the, on the insane off chance this whole comedy thing turns out to be a failure. Just hypothetically. Just hypothetically. Hypothetically. Let's say, hypothetically. I want, so I want He's doing a real Jim Carrey there. Yeah, smoking. I uh, want a sign that I, uh, that I did it, yeah. you know, like, when I'm 50 and I've inevitably relapsed and I'm just 
angrily staring out a window and taking big old slurps of Michelob Ultra. Like I just want, I want something I can put on to be like, oh yeah, I was beautiful once. I was a, I was a better off dead John Cusack in the body of a, I'm gonna switch it up, gross point blank John oh, Cusack. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you mentioned relapsing. Do you want to talk about what you would be relapsing and how that all went down? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I don't drink anymore. I'm super boring. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's been, God, let me think. If I did the math, it's been about a year and four months. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think about. What drove you to stop? Uh, I was basically getting drunk uh, every single night. for. Um, I think my streak was at least like a year unbroken. Yeah. A year without, like... Every night. Every single night. Yeah, every night. That seems expensive. Uh, it was expensive. Yeah, I'm saving a lot of money right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just really like drinking, and I don't really have a distinct rock bottom story. Like, my rock bottom story is kind of lame and embarrassing. <laughs> Do you want to tell it? Or? Uh, I'll, I, it's, I mean, there's not much of a story that I, I embarrass myself in front of a girl I like. Oh. Yeah. That's, like, that's it. Like, uh, it's it's super lame and low stakes, but the, it was, like, a it was just, it was less so what happened during the situation, more so that just, like, I was trying to I was trying to be like a loudmouth funny asshole and I just kind of like embarrassed myself instead and just it was this it was just a moment where I kind of I took a look outward in and I was just like oh I'm being that guy oh, I don't have control over this anymore and so I uh, and another I want Adam on the podcast another comic um, who uh, has gone to AA meetings he uh, it's very very like something I will forever be grateful for he just put the idea in my head like hey man if you want to stop I can bring you to a meeting sometime I only went to one meeting. Which like it was fine, it was just it wasn't for me. But uh, if if it did help in any sense, it made it feel it made me feel like okay, I'm gonna stop drinking now. This is a real thing. I'm going to a meeting for this. I still have I still have the one day chip in my wallet for some dumb reason. It's just that dumb. It's, it's a one. Well, it is dumb because it's a one day chip I never got updated. But where the fuck is this stupid thing? Cleany clang. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Twenty four hours. Do you you see yourself moving anywhere? Uh, yes. Where? Uh, Los Angeles. When? End of this year. Sometime End of this year. Um, yeah, I've been postponing a move for what feels like fucking forever now. Like, it was going to be, like, around October this year when the album came up. So I'm kind of just focusing all my efforts to efforts towards that right. this year. And when then that's done, maybe I get, get it printed, get a few physical copies of it. I'll just move out there and then start back from ground floor. Yeah. yeah. Only the weather will be nicer. Uh, it will be nicer. Yeah, I've, I've really only come to embrace, uh, like, T-shirts kind of recently, and, like, I'm, I'm really vibing off of it. What were you wearing before? I only remember you in T-shirts. Oh, I was, uh, I would, I would, I would dress up for the summer. Like, I would, I would, like, wear, like, a button-up and stuff like that, like, sleeves rolled up open. Like, I, I like, for some reason, I wasn't comfortable being in just a T-shirt. Now, totally fine with it. I think it's because I got shorter hair. You said, you said really long, awful, hideous hair. I remember a little bit of the long hair. Yeah, fuck, oh, God. Like, I see, I see old photos of myself, and I cringe. And, like, that was back when I was, like, with my last girlfriend. I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't, know, how, I don't know how she did it. Again, stood by that every night. <laughs> so is that something you want to tell, like, younger dudes with longer hair? Like, hey. Yeah, guys, clean the fuck up, all right? Like, I know you're trying to be, like, fun and alty. And, like, you've probably tricked your brain into thinking it looks good every time you gaze into a mirror because you have a particular face you make or something. If you catch your reflection in, like, a, a train window and you're not making that face yet, you got Colin sick to work because you're that hideous, like, horrified by your fucking face. It's natural state, how everybody else sees it. But just cut, cut it off. Get a cool haircut. Get one of those hip Macklemores. Those, are, those look great. Oh, like short on the sides? Short on the sides, high on the top. Yeah. Yeah, like undercut. I think it's called an undercut. An undercut. People love that stuff. Just get one of those. I hate that I like it. I'm not going to lie. Like, when I see it, I'm like, oh, I get it. You're trying to be cool. But, like, a fit dude with that hairstyle. A fit dude? Like, a fit dude, you know? Like, yeah. like he's like a fit yeah, like dude. A right fit. Like a right fucking fit. Like yeah. Right fit. Yeah. 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 Uh, a right fit, mate. I don't know. Let's fuck this. Um, with that haircut, like, ah, oh, please, forget about it. That's, like, the ads for my gym. And I'm just like, I've never seen that man at the gym. I would be super awkward if I did, but I've never seen him at the gym. That, or just get one of the photos of the dude in the hair salon window, where it's like, oh, that was taken in 1986. Yeah. Like, yeah, get one of those fun haircuts. Yeah. Just a nice John Stamos bouffant. Oh, do do? yeah. Just stop it with the long hair. Yeah. The doors are done. Give it up. The, the band, the doors? Yeah. 
Is that official? Is that is that a hot take uh, right that's now? That's my hot take. We're over the doors, guys. We're over the doors 50 yeah. years after they were a yeah. uh, cultural entity. Yeah. Have you spent much time in L.A.? I have spent time in L.A. I love it. I think it's really nice. I've, I've had a great time at the mics and the shows I've done. Mm-hmm. Which things do you think you're going to miss when you leave? Uh, probably the tightness of the community here. And uh, there just seems... Uh, I was just about to say this is a good place to grow naturally, but I don't even know if it's growing naturally because from, from what I always hear, this seems to be a very for, forgiving comedy scene. You're given a lot of resources starting out here that you're not necessarily given in a lot of other cities. Like, uh, it'll be like people from out of town complain all the fucking time, like, oh, stay in Boston. It's so hard to get, find good stage time in New York or some stuff like that. And I probably will miss that when I move, but... I don't know. That's why. That's why you have to build some foundation before you move. I guess. Yeah. Like you have to be able to flex that phantom limb and like learn how to build that joke writing muscle and stuff like that. That's that's why it's good to start out in a town like Boston. And you know, that's say, hey, no industry here. Whatever. Go. You move. You find your own industry. You make your own industry. That is the mantra of the MTV generation to which I belong. Andrew Joso is twenty-five years old. Twenty-six. Oh. Yeah, know your role. Shut your mouth if you smell what the rock is cooking. When was that a thing that people actually said? Uh, it was big during the MTV generation, which is when I grew oh, up. God. That was big in middle school. Yeah, it was big. You had Dwayne the Rock Johnson, famous movie star and closet homosexual. Used to be he is not. Yes, he is. Yeah, absolutely is. You know this for a fact? I don't know for a fact, but... Well, what are you talking about? Oh, I, I can read a guy. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm hoping he's not. He's like a hot, muscly, smiley guy, and like his his ex-wife, they're like they're they're no longer together, but she still stayed on. Like she still like buds with him and is like his business partner, quote unquote. That lays a beard. That dude's gay. I stake my reputation on this. If he hears this, which he won't, but if he did, I would like him to write me. Let me know. Or blast you please on the have, Please, please have him write you. I, I would love to meet The Rock. I'm a, I'm a fan of his professional wrestling career. I like his act. It's not even good movies. It's just, like, he is something that my it's mom and I can agree on. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the, his movies, like, I don't want to call them good or bad so much as they are what they are. He's good in them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you got to judge every film by the goals it sets out to achieve. And I think those movies achieve their goals of being uh, disposable, buddy action comedies. Yeah. Yeah, he's good at that. He's real good at that. Yeah, I'm into it. I fucks with it. I, f- I fucks with that closet gay man. <laughs> well, I like that as a phrase. I fucks with X or Y. Yeah, I have a good time with it. It's kind of like, it's becoming a bit like the Macklemore haircut right now. I think it might be on the way out. Uh, I feel like that is, I'm all about, or I'm about blank life, or I, um, oh, what's the other one? that like Everyone everyone says, like, that's my jam, which I'm like, well, what about, okay. like, uh uh, dat roast beef dough. Or yeah, something like that. what? When did that even start? Yeah, that stinks. Huh? Or like, like uh, everyone uses it, and half like now, I think it's majority sarcastic use. That I might, I might be uh, making some powerful enemies when I say this, because this is like comics say this all the time. But like, when they travel to a new city, it's like, hey, blank, I'm in you. I'm oh, I totally do that. Yeah, I'm very sick of that shit. <laughs> all right. Shape up, <laughs> I probably will. I get super self conscious about things, so I will shift. Quickly, if I feel like it's something that yeah, is being well, ridiculed. Now that's been pointed out to you by the arbiter of taste in the Boston comedy uh, scene. Huh? I'm, I'm just running with this lo- with this label that you've given me. Okay. I don't like it. the MTV generation's anti-labels. It's just been. Uh, you guys can't hear how hard I'm rolling my eyes right now. Like she, I might pull a muscle. She's rolling her eyes into a whole different time zone, homie. Right now. Homie. Homie, slice dog. These aren't things. Closet homosexual. Me? Yeah, you. Okay. Yeah, you're Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Great. I, I feel like I'm going toe-to-toe with you right now. I feel like I'm your stone-cold Steve Austin. That was a famous rivalry in the 90s. Oh. Did he, he had, like, a number or a quote or something? Uh, yeah, Austin 316. Why? What is that? Uh, oh, man. This, uh... You're a wrestling fan. I forgot. Wrestling fan. Yeah, I'm gigantic into it. It's, it's the only uh, art form that isn't total fucking bullshit these days. As said by someone who does a different art form. Absolutely, yeah. Comedy's dead. Yeah, comedy doesn't have a like a hint of the pulse that wrestling does right now. Wrestling is having a golden moment in the culture. Why? How? What's going on? Here's the thing, Knees. 
All right, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sliding my chair. If you can't hear, I'm sliding my chair around right now. I'm sitting in it, Michelle Pfeiffer, Dangerous Mind style. Every other art form's been fucking commodified, man. You're just, you're just greasing someone's pockets when you, whenever you laugh at a joke or enjoy a movie or dance to a song. Everything, everything's all about that fucking green, baby. Wrestling started out as commodified. It started out as very, just the, the crassest form of populist entertainment, and that's why it's the only thing that's immune from the commercialization of all media. So also, I like it when he does the Stone Cold Stunner. It's pretty cool. It's like a nice-looking finishing move where he kicks you in the stomach and then like he yanks on your neck as you're coming down. It's pretty tight. Okay, so also it's fun when guys hit each other with chairs and they go through tables. That is not his real accent. He does this from time to time. Uh, yeah, one voice. It's like, yeah, it's this guy. Yeah, that is your voice of somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, this is why this is why I uh, used to um, uh, fire at the take shots of the working class, uh, whom whom I despise and am uh, permanently aligned against. Uh, I, I find uh, I find the ninety nine percent to be uh, disgusting and uh, filthy. And I just I whenever whenever I do this voice, I uh, I consider it a piece of great satire that is meant to disarm them. Oh. Mm. And which, what class are you part of again? Uh, the MTV generation. Oh, my God. <laughs> so when did you start getting into wrestling? <laughs> uh, actually, embarrassingly late in life. So it's not like something you had like when you were a kid and you've just been carrying it through? You Nope. <laughs> it switches. Which is like, it's embarrassing to even hear me say it. But yeah, no, another comic got me into it. Okay. So in the last five years. I did like a lot of the stuff that like, you can kind of draw parallels with it uh, between, uh, like, I liked a lot of, like, dorky stuff, like comic books as a kid, and, like, it's basically, like, the same difference, and it's, uh, it has all the appeal of, like, nerd stuff while having all, like, the stats and, like, obsessive, like, following of, like, sports and stuff like that, so it's, like, the best of both worlds. It's super fun. So who are the top people in wrestling right now? Right now, or just the guys I like? The guys you like, I guess. That's, I, I, do you, who's, is that Ryan Donahue's bit where it's like, they're just pictures of men, like about baseball cards? Baseball players. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, who, who are my pictures of men? Yeah, who, who, who are the guys you like now? Uh, who are the guys I like? Um, I like uh, this guy named Kevin Owens I like a lot right now. There's a guy who's injured right now called uh, Seth Rollins. He's, he's, he's currently uh, tending to a knee injury, but when he comes back, it's going to be great. He's a... Uh, his character is he's kind of like a corporate sellout a little bit, and like he, he has this like really shitty like mallcore haircut. Like he's fourteen and he works in Orange Julius. And right. He's just he's got this like really nasally, snivelly voice. He's just like yeah, I'm gonna take the title back. And it's, oh, I love. Is he a villain? Yeah, he's a big villain. Okay, so there are clear distinctions between villains and are the other people heroes. What are they? Uh, it's good guys are called faces and bad guys are called heels. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the Seth Rollins would be a heel. Got it. Yeah, uh, yeah, most, like, hardcore, quote, they're called smarks. Most uh, hardcore wrestling fans, most smarks, like, enjoy watching the heel more than they do the face. But it changes. Okay. It depends on the situation. Okay. So the first guy, is the first guy, is he a heel or um no, Yeah, he's a heel. Okay. He's a guy who, uh, like, did uh, independent uh, professional wrestling for a long time. And, like, he just, he's, like, kind of, like, like kind of portly. He's very athletic, but he's, like, got a bit of a, got a bit of a gut. So, like, a lot of people said he would never make it, like, the WWE. And now he did. And, uh, oh, he's the greatest. Big fan of him. Great, great on the mic. Cuts an amazing promo. Uh, so, are... I don't know anything about wrestling. You said that there's like an independent scene. Is there a local independent scene? There are a few local promotions, yeah. Um, there's uh, Beyond Wrestling, which has shows in Providence and Somerville. I really love them. I go to their shows a lot. Uh, a, a few other things. They're like they're touring like uh, independent promotions. Like there's a big one called Ring of Honor, which is like considered the biggest independent promotion yeah. they tour like uh, the WWE pulls a lot of their guys from them huh. yeah but in general like the, the in-ring style is different it's a lot more athletic there's a lot less like you know showboating for the crowd like a, uh, it's more like move based like yeah. it's more just like how fancy and exciting can we make this match yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it's really fun to watch like even if somebody like doesn't enjoy wrestling at all which I totally understand like it <laughs> Like, uh, if they would watch, if they watch, like, some Ring of Honor matches, I'd, I feel like they'd be pretty hard-pressed to not enjoy them, because they're, like, really athletic feats. Yeah. They're people doing, like, impossible things, and, you know, like, working 
like all improvised, but they're working in perfect sync with each other. It's like watching like an amazing like dance routine or something like that. So how do people even get into this? Like not that you're like the person who's facilitating someone starting in wrestling, but how does it even like I know literally nothing about it. How does it work? Uh, they go to a school. There are apparently schools for it. What? Yeah, no, there are wrestling Where? schools. Uh, there's one uh, run by an old wrestler named Killer Kowalski. I think it was up in New Hampshire, but like a lot of big, like, do you know who Triple H is? I've heard of Triple H. Yeah, he's like one of the big guys. Um, he, he, he's an alumni of Killer Kowalski's school. They're, yeah, they're just schools for it. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of like independent wrestlers also teach wrestling on their off time. So we're getting closer to the time. Um, so you're going to be leaving Boston in a little bit less than a year. What are some of the things that you won't miss at all? Oh, man. Uh... I don't know. I just uh, I don't really have like a lot of strong opinions about where like wherever I live at the time. Because again, I'm a bit of a homebody. Like I always, I always get like really je- like jealous of people that have like a great sense of the mythos or lore of the town they grew up grew up in. Like I don't know. Sometimes I'll hear like other people be like, "Oh yeah, when I grew up, there was a guy named, down the street named Merman Gary, and we called him that because he had gills." Like you know, I like local characters and stuff like that. I, I don't have any of that for my town just because... Really? Yeah, I, don't, I just stayed inside all the time. Didn't have a lot of friends. Just play video games and play with my balls. You know, just get just be bummed out all the time. So, wrapping up, what are some things that people don't know about you that you'd want them to know or that people would be surprised about you? Oh, God. But. What's the thing that people don't know about me? Uh... Do other people have the, like this much of a problem with this question? Uh, yes, it's why I ask it. It's a challenging question because it makes you both say what you want people to think about you, but also like what you think they actually do think about you. Hmm. I can start with what I think people think about me. Okay. I think they think I'm like a smug weirdo who's like, oh, that guy's kind of funny. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> In general, that's certainly the impression I've gotten from this interview. Interview. <laughs> Terry Grossen it up. <laughs> Edit that out, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's just this long stretch of stuff you can't use towards the end of this interview, and I love it. Like, what's the most natural way we can wrap this up? Like, can we just, oh, can, like, a car hit me or something? Uh, hopefully not. Can, I, like, can you get the sound of me moonwalking in open traffic? Uh, that wouldn't make a good sound, or it wouldn't be clear what was happening. I guess so. Oh, yeah, you can, like, theater of the mind it a little bit. Like, you know, like I can do, like, a motorcycle rev, like, and then, like, you can make it sound like I walked in a trap and really just shot myself. Oh, okay. That would be an interesting sound effect. That would be a great, like, oh, no. You would be able to say, oh, no, after a bullet went through your brain, exploded the back of your skull, half of your blood is oozing out of the back of your head, or not half of it, but a pretty significant chunk of it. You'd still manage. Spoken like a real person who makes those playlists, Kenise. <laughs> You really you seem to be really interested in gore. <laughs> I saw American Beauty. I, I understand what happened. What, what does that have to do with it? In American Beauty, at the end... That movie stinks. <laughs> it won Best Picture. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that doesn't mean it's good. It's a terrible movie. It what has that ever been a, a, a qualifier for a movie? It hasn't. Has, has a ton of movies, terrible movies, won Best Picture? Name them. Uh, like, I don't Crash. Yeah, okay, I'll agree with that. Yeah, crash. <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, The English Patient went over Fargo that one year. I haven't seen The English Patient. I can't. I'll go down a list right, right now. We're looking it up. Yeah, you, you can leave this. You wanted me to tell some opinions. Here's some goddamn opinions. I'll tell you some fucking opinions. Uh, Spotlight, liked it. Yeah, it's good. Birdman, hated it. I didn't like Birdman. Fucking stunk. Uh, 12 Years a Slave. Um, I liked it. I don't have an opinion on it. Good. Argo, didn't see it. Uh, it was okay. Uh, the Artist, didn't see it. It was okay. King's Speech didn't see it. It was okay. The Hurt Locker didn't see it. Wow. I liked it. Slumdog Millionaire didn't see it. It was okay. No Country for Old Men. Loved it. Good, good movie. Yeah. Departed. It's, it is what it is. I love it. Uh, Crash stinks. Ugh. Million Dollar Baby. Dumb. Don't, I didn't see it. Lord of the Rings didn't see it. Saw it. How do you even see the Lord of the Rings? I've been, people freak out when I tell them that, and I, I, I that's a, why, you know what? Let's you? let's close it out. That's the thing that people don't know about me. I haven't seen all the Lord of the Rings movies. Why wouldn't you no see interest. all of them? I don't know because people assume like, oh, Andrew's a big loser and he's a movie guy. He's probably all about those Lord. No, they I'm don't say you're a loser. They say you're a nerd, but not a loser. A big, big nerd, big movie guy. He's probably all about those goddamn Lord. He's probably uh, he's 
he's probably got his homepage, his middleearth.wikia.com or something, .bizgov. No. <laughs> it's .com and .bizgov? .com .bizgov. .com .bizgov? Yeah, I actually just learned. Yeah, there's other Andrew Durso and SAG, so I'm changing my name to that when I moved to LA. Dot com bizgov. That's your like Andrew in quotes. Dot com bizgov. Durso. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, that was not a dumb riff. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I have not seen all the Lord of the Rings movies. No interest. Uh, no interest to see the Harry Potter movies either. You've never seen the Harry Potter movies? Any of them? There are eight movies. I've seen two of them. Which two? Uh, the first two. Those are the worst ones. Yeah, everyone says that. I love seeing their face twist when I tell them. I love seeing people's just like their their expression move when I tell them that's the only two Harry Potter. Why wouldn't you see the other ones? I don't know, because they're about like wizards and children. It's very adult. There's a human sacrifice. Yeah, yeah it's like it's not like cool, like weird like like left hand path like black magic where you're just like you're eating bodily fluids. Like uh, they ha they have to put blood on things. <laughs> Some dark magic. Not dark enough for me, bro. I like uh, my music and my magic. Heavy fucking metal. <laughs> but I have no tolerance for any of this soft little league bullshit that goes on in Hogwarts. You guys heard it here from Andrew.combizgov. Or was it dot .bizcom, dot com oh, yeah, gov right. biz org? Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Durso. Uh, you guys heard it. This has been Person About Town. Uh, frustrated host. Why wouldn't you see the Lord of the Rings movies, though? I have no interest in them. Oh, they're so good. Are they, like, they won Best Picture for a reason. I have seen, I've seen the first one. It's why Viggo Mortensen was even famous. Oh, well, in that case, you know I'm a huge Viggo Mortensen. History of Violence, Eastern Promise. I do like History of Violence a lot. I think Those, that's a, really that's a movie. fantastic uh, Eastern I got David Cronenberg to sign my shoes once. Why? Because uh, I, saw him, I saw him do a speech, and I wanted him to sign something. I was like, hey, you want to sign my shoes? And he was like, hey, you're weird, sure. What, what did you do with the shoes? Uh, they're at my house. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, what were you talking? Yeah, no, it's just like, it's a lot of, like wizard bullshit, and I just. Stopping the recording.